You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 567 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Rita. And I'm your other, other host, Cable Hashitami. And we are joined right now, live from their abode over on the East Coast, Willow and David of Volante Designs. Did I say that right? You did. That's perfect. Um, so, a, a quick backstory. Uh, Cable shared me... I think a picture of the discovery jacket uh, well over a year ago. And I thought, Oh, that's really cool. But I don't, you know, I don't know if I can swing that or whatever it's, you know, stuff. And then I went to STLV last year and uh, you folks had a booth there and you were literally debuting the discovery jackets and you had one of my size and they roped me in right there. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, uh, you and I must've met in person then. Once, uh, once. Probably, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. But it's possible I was walking around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why don't you give a quick little backstory to listeners, like what you uh, what you both create and what inspired you to get into this? Great. Um, we make kind of niche geeky clothing, but on a higher-end version, um, or we do it in a sort of different way than is typical. Perhaps we try to make American-made, highly functional, peak nerdwear that, uh, yeah, that's... That incorporates the aesthetic of various franchises and uh, and everything that, anything that we think looks cool. Uh, in this case, we're talking about Star Trek. Um, and we just try and incorporate that aesthetic into a jacket that you can wear every day. And that still has a little bit of that, a little bit of both sides. Yeah. It walks the line. Yeah, it's, I mean, first off, they're incredibly well-designed. They are super comfortable. Um, they're one of the few kind of, quote, off-the-rack jackets I've ever bought that fits me perfectly as it claims to measure, which is really mm-hmm. nice. Um, especially oh, when, you're, when your shoulders are built like a pack mule, it's very rare to have <laughs> one. Like, oh, look, I can move my arms. Fantastic. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um I just went uh I just went completely blank. What um 
it's it's a little different because you said they're all they're also uh, they're like a type of denim, but they don't feel like a denim I've ever worn before. Um, so I mean, de- I mean, what I like to wear and what I like to work with are are heavier weight materials. I like natural materials, so it's all primarily cotton. Um, the the next generation style that Cable's wearing is uh, is a denim, uh, and the version that you're wearing is actually it's. It's a Dobby weave, but it's a, it's a particular weave that we had custom made for ourselves. It's got uh, a water resistant finish on it, but it is uh, like 98% cotton and a little bit of spandex. But everything that we make is like party feeling. That's one of the main things that we go for. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it could, it could take some hits if you're on the away team kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you, I mean, where do you find the the balance between clearly making it look like, you know, it's from Star Trek or some of the other stuff, like it's from Assassin's Creed without it looking like we're, we're just recreating the costumes. Like where do you find the balance between kind of looking at class play, but also it's still got to be a functional fashion. Well, that's, uh, I think a huge, a big conversation that goes between the two of us. Uh, I tend to make things that are a little bit more, I like things that are a little bit more costume. Over the top. How about <laughs> <laughs> Edit, edit, and we try and make something. Okay, so if you don't, if you didn't know what this was, would you think it was cool or would you think it was? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a question. We have a whole checklist of questions that we ask when we go through the process. But basically, I mean, you elements that you would normally find in a jacket every day, like a, a visible zipper. Um, a lot of the Star Trek uniforms have no visible hardware. They tend to have hidden zippers or the zippers in the back or something like that. So it's not really part of the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not true of our modern clothing. So we just sort of incorporate that into the design of the piece. We try and take those elements and, and meld them with things that we're familiar with. Yeah. Nice. And the most common it. question I get about the, the TNG jacket is, is it a motorcycle jacket because of the placement of the zipper? Right. It is definitely inspired by a motorcycle mm-hmm. style. Yeah. I think that the discovery feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I will often wear it while just riding on my scooter just because, I don't know, it feels good to ride it. It's maybe not as safe as full-on leathers, but it's, it's not as full-on leathers. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I rarely take my scooter anywhere over 25 miles an hour, so I'll, I'll survive. And, you know, if something bad happens, I'll just order another jacket. If something bad happens, at least you'll look good doing it. That's right. <laughs> um, is there a uh, is there a franchise that either of you have wanted to do? Because I, I have noticed that it seems like, unlike a lot of uh, tie-in clothing out there, without naming names, it seems like you two make sure you get licenses and make it all above board. Sure. Um. There are a few that we would like to make collaborations with that maybe we don't want to hold a whole license for. We've, we've learned a lot in the last couple of years about what licensing really means. And Star Trek has been an amazing audience that we're really lucky to work with. They're such great fans. Like the Star Trek fans are into the stuff we're into. They're into quality. They're into ethics. The, like getting the details right. They care about all that stuff. And then some of the other fandoms, franchises that we work with, the, the, like, fit isn't quite as close. I mean, it's been great, but we just may not carry on that license. Um, I 
can think of a few I would really like to do some mini collaborations with. Like, I would love to work with Destiny for a, a, mm-hmm. a small chunk to do, like, a limited edition Destiny collection. Um, I would love to work with Star Wars because I think it's very fashion already. Like, there's a lot in there that has great style. Mm-hmm. Um, you got lists? I mean, the list is long, but I'm not sure that we want to carry a ton of a ton more big licenses because of the amount of legal and <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've, we started off without licenses cause we started off without any, uh, we just started basically out of a, a spare bedroom um, and on funding. So we didn't really have the licenses, but we did have the interest. And so we did a lot of inspired by pieces and we tried to, so uh, part of that is like, I would take inspirations from, multiple different sources, different franchises, meld those together with streetwear. And that was, that's a lot of fun for us um, because it means that we can be a little bit more free and, and it allows us to have a little bit more open to interpretation. Uh, so somebody can come up and be like, that's a Dante jacket or, or <laughs> somebody up and be like, Oh, that's, you know, full metal alchemist or whatever. It's like, they're all red trench coats, but we took out <laughs> one of them and made something that was sort of everything. Um, those are fun. The, licenses, the, best case scenario. the worst case scenario is that it looks like a little bit of nobody gets it. everything and it doesn't <laughs> quite work, but you know, you don't have something. We aim for best. Right. What were, what were some of your early influences, some of your earliest works? Cause I've, I've perused the website quite a bit and I get a vibe of a lot of like, a lot of like cyberpunk style or even some kind of transhumanism concepts with the way like the asymmetrical cuts and the color schemes. Is there, is that a genre that speaks to you or is it just for an aesthetic reasons? Uh, for sure. Um, I think futuristic stuff is cool. Uh, Star Trek is, you know, it's futuristic in a different way. And I just, I like uh, those things. I like tech wear. I like cool uh, asymmet- asymmetrical lines. I like, yeah, stuff that's a departure from what is normal. Um, we were pretty clear that there are enough normal things out there. You can get a good hoodie or a good pair of jeans or, like, that's covered. Like, we don't need to go back and do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the yeah. Other, the other thing is, like, we um, – my inspiration comes from all of these different sources, uh, comic books, video games, uh, sci-fi shows and stuff, and a lot of those things – in order to keep their brand clear, have specific color schemes for characters or specific color schemes for mm. factions. Yeah. And those color schemes are clear and, uh, and very strong, you know, high contrast. So they mm-hmm. have like, you know, red and black is a high contrast thing. And that's not a color scheme that you would really get in a modern piece of clothing. Um, but people want it because they know they identify with that because they, they watched it on this, other, you know, this show and they love this color scheme, mm-hmm. this faction. They want to identify with that. It doesn't matter if it's got a logo or anything like that. They just want to do it. And so I think cyberpunk and futuristic stuff allows for you to to mix those colors or combine those colors next to each other and do that kind of fun stuff. I'm I'm rambling now. Mm -hmm. No, 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 because I (laughs) talked in my head because sometimes when my my co-host Denise, sometimes she will will dress and it's very much like a Sailor Moon aesthetic whether she, you know, plans it or not, it's like, that's the look, or right. some days I'll go out and just red and black, and my friends will be like, oh, it's a fifth day, huh? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so, you know. <laughs> um, so, 
you two have something pretty cool coming up uh, on Thursday this week. Can you can you drop a little hint about what's coming on, or do you want to save it for the big reveal day? Go ahead. You, <laughs> go, go for it. All right. Uh, so we we recently launched a uh, a selection of Voyager. We call it, you know call them Voyager inspired jackets. Their mm-hmm. form was also on DS Nine, but we're sticking with Voyager on. Uh, and when he of, does this air quotes, it's not because the jacket isn't an officially licensed Star Trek jacket, but because he has qualms because about a, because the it's a qualified of the, statement of the jacket. Not I understand. I understand that 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 uniform spans two shows. But yeah. yeah, we just I, had a conversation about this uh, like a week ago. Right. I, I, it's okay. I get. We get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. We get the pain. It's fine. <laughs> the details are. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a pedant when it comes to that. Yes. <laughs> To everybody who cares about those exact technical details. Yeah. We do, and the Star Trek fans do. And we've and named it the 2269. The there we go. That's when the uniform first appeared in, uh, that's the year it first appeared. Uh, but anyway, the point is that we launched the three colors that are uh, present in Voyager the sciences, the command, and operations. Mm-hmm. And one of our biggest requests was, are we going to do the other uniform of that era, which is the one with the gray quilted shoulder in the latter half of DS9 and the TNG movies. And uh, because we had the opportunity to, we, we worked with our factory on it, we have decided to add that yes, to production. Yes, so we're doing a limited run of 25, or sorry, I think 30 in men's and 12 in women's Ooh. for those break limited little uh little re-up yeah and those will be available on thursday i would not wait too too long <laughs> uh well crap i, <laughs> I gotta check my bank account because i really want a yeah a command ds9 see now now is a good time to not already own a jacket like you me. need your sciences jacket i no no i've and i've debate i've so one of the reasons i don't already own a volante designs <laughs> Star Trek jacket is because I'm really indecisive and for years I haven't really been able to decide you know which is my color of choice uh, but yeah. I've been putting a lot of thought into it lately in a, in in advance of the Thursday release um, and I've decided that I belong in red. Oh, yes. for command? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very bold move. <laughs> I mean, who do you know who's bossier than me? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I blame all those months of you playing the RPG with me now where I just told you, like, hey, you have to be the captain because no one else wants to be. That's true. Like, actually <laughs> mm-hmm. playing the role of a Starfleet captain really puts you in the mindset. <laughs> Burden and the joy of, of command, command, right? <laughs> yep. That is exactly correct. So are you, so uh, are you having like a special launch video or what's what's going on with that? Yeah, that's a thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> I think the, the launch will go live. I think right after lunch, probably right around one thirty, two o'clock, and we will go live on Instagram at four with some lovely guests who may or may not be pictured what? here. What? Hmm. Want to knit you to something before the moment arrives, but. Um, we will be joined. And we'll be talking about it. Then we'll be chatting about the details of this jacket and on Yay. the design. 
Awesome. And just Sweet. to just to put that out there for uh, for everyone listening uh, and wanting to to be there for that, we are talking Eastern time. Thank you. Yes, four o'clock Eastern time on the Volante Design Instagram Live page, which I think will also appear on the Geek in the City. It shows up in both places. Yeah, it'll show up. But yeah, we're going to also join in on the the Geek in the City Radio Instagram also. So, yep, we'll we'll definitely be there nerding out. Cool. Right on. Well, uh, I know we're, it's getting kind of late for you both, so we should probably get ready to sign off here. But uh, Willow and David, it was so great to have you on. I know it was limited. Maybe someday we can do a longer chat, but this was really great. Love that. Yeah. It was yeah. a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, and thank you for creating some Trek swag that I have no problem wearing to a convention or the grocery store. <laughs> Very happy that it worked for you. It's, it's nice to have represented uh, at least in two-thirds of the screen here. <laughs> hey, <laughs> And soon enough, we'll have we'll have the whole thing. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, to let you two go, uh, Dave and Willow, thank you again so much, and we thank will you. see you on uh, Thursday. Thanks for having us. See you Thursday. Right. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Have a good day. Well, as we uh, say thanks to the fine folks at Volante Designs, this would also be a great place to talk about some of our sponsors. First up, of course, is our longest sponsor, Guardian Games. Now, we all know that they do, you know, game sales. Duh, they're a game store. But they've also got a huge selection of puzzles. And I know a lot of folks are finding puzzles to be very calming in this endlessly chaotic world that we are now forced to live within. So maybe let your mind wander and just put little pieces together of a puzzle. Something else they offer, you want to want to check it out actually on their Facebook page, facebook.com um, forward slash Guardian Games, or just type in Guardian Games. Uh, they will do virtual painting sessions. Uh, one of the employees, uh, James Sinclair, will do, uh, basically you'll just watch him paint minis and he'll give you tips and tricks on how you can get... Uh, start getting your own, start painting your own minis and whatnot. And uh, as someone that paints minis uh, themselves, I know it can be a little daunting at first because you see a lot of the minis that have been painted and they just look phenomenal and your first few look like trash. Um, trust me, everyone's looked like trash the first few times. But uh, watch the videos, they kind of help out. And that's just one of the many ways Guardian Games is a great member of Portland's uh, nerd community and community in general. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Guardian Games. Do check them out, and when you do, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. Just like our other sponsor, Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Uh, yeah. New books are out. <laughs> um... Yeah, just kind of check out and see what you're looking for. No matter what kind of genre or what kind of story you're looking for, you can find it in comic book form. It's not all just capes and cowls and whatnot. And Bridge City Comics will have that comic for you. If they don't have it, they can order it for you. They can pretty much find any book you want if it's still in print. They also support a lot of local creators. When you come in there, look on the left. There's a big old shelf of local creators comics zines novels i think even an album or two that is all at bridge city comics 3725 north mississippi avenue here in portland bridge city comics and before we get back as always a huge thank to revnat uh revnat's hard cider for hooking us up with this equipment so that the shows continue to sound good while we are all recording in our various homes miles apart 
Uh, Revnat has been graciously donating material to us so we can keep the show sounding good and keep it going for everybody. So uh, big thanks to Reverend Nat, the official beverage lubrication of the apocalypse. Revnat. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's get back to the show. Bye. Yeah. Oh, they were super sweet and nice. Yeah, I was I also mean, looking all of our at, guests uh, are, but... at uh, one of David's designer creations where he's talking about uh, all where he draws other inspiration from. It's called the Shogun. Is that in the uh, Ninja Collection? It is in the Ninja Collection. It's like the, it's the like the top. It's the designer series top tier in the Ninja Collection. Like, and what I like is, you can take strip it down to the jacket itself, or you can layer up so that you have every bit on there. Oh, oh man, wow! That's yeah, like full on, that's like full on Lord Raiden. It yes. kind of reminds me of my old body armor, where you could add like shoulder pads and mm-hmm. like a like a groin protecting thing that kind of looked like a like a front skirt piece um oh right i was like body armor oh right army yes mm-hmm. i was like when did you have full cosplay body armor but right <laughs> yeah i was cosplaying as a uh, protector of american freedom uh, <laughs> i think i broke cable no you weren't but <laughs> other people are well, I mean, that's like a whole conversation that I don't even know we should ever have on air, but I have I have a lot of feelings about that time of my life. Um, uh, I certainly hope that we continue to have a world where we can yammer on about geeky things for an hour and a half once a week and not have to dive into that particular topic. No, we don't. We never have to. It's probably better that way. Um, Dang it. I was going to say something uh, specific to, to David and Willow. And now I forgot. Well, moving on, I guess. Yeah. um, (laughs) For the listeners, volantedesign.us is their website. Volante design is their handle on Instagram. Please follow them. Uh, Give them shout outs. If you have Volante wear, Take photos of yourself and send it to them in it because they post fan photos on their Instagram. So, oh, really? I need to do that then. Yes, yes, we both do. Well, if Bean gets a jacket, we can do a literal crew crew photo. I do I really. Li- Sorry. What's that? Oh, no, I do. I do really want a jacket. I was tempted to get the um, just the um, the next gen era style in red. But, you know, mm-hmm. like knowing what we know is happening later this week, I got to wait for those new designs to come out, right? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to hear that it was limited piece and where it's like, oh, oh I damn know. it. I know. You never know. They might not end up like being particularly to my taste. I'm, I'm super picky about stuff sometimes. But if I don't get a Starfleet jacket, um, I am obsessed with their Saga-inspired cape. Oh, the capelet? Yeah. yeah oh, the, yeah. You're right. It is a capelet, not a cape. And mm-hmm. I, if there, there's nothing I like more than a capelet. I only own like three. And, this, and none of them look like this, so. I I would, if ever I needed an impetus to clear out my closet of jackets uh, in order, like, trying to fit more Volante design jackets would be a reason to do so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know by Thursday I'll be up to three. Damn. Um, also, the Mega Man line is super cool and cute. I don't think I've looked at the Mega Man line. No. Mm-hmm. It's either you're dressing as Mega Man or 
Who's the red one? Who shows up eventually? Which collection is that in? Don't know. Uh, you go to collection. Oh, in the actual Mega Man collection. Yeah. I don't think I'd seen this one. These are cute. Right? Ooh. Yeah. Level up. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh. I I know I put my shit in Do Not Disturb. I'm sorry. That's fine. I don't care. It's fine. Um, that is Stella Chew. Oh yeah, it is. Where? She's in the banner. Oh, in the banner. Also, mm-hmm. if I ever get back into piracy, I'm basically just going to buy the ring rake jacket, and that's going to be like 80% of my costume. Mm. Just you I, know, put a I cutlass really on that, and I'm done. It's pretty good. I think that I also appreciate not just their Star Trek gear, but the other gear that they have designed and put out. Um, mm-hmm. like I was... We were talking earlier about it at home that uh, one of the reasons why I was excited to to talk to David and Willow today is that not only are, are they a uh, oh the email address um, like they make a product that I like they are a forward thinking company that that like they they take care of their customer base. And like, this came about because I had to send my jacket back in for repairs. And they're like, hey, you do a podcast. (laughs) Can we talk to you some more? It's like, yes, yes, indeed. Right. Um, And yeah, those are the companies that I like to support. Yeah, me too. It's... um... Mm -hmm. They uh, I, they also jumped in right away at the beginning of the pandemic to go into mass production mm-hmm. uh, with uh, funds. They were trying to funnel in funds for um, donations and mass donations for um, people in medical um, environments. Mm-hmm. You know, back when there was like a shortage and you know, doctors and nurses were highly at risk. Still are, right, right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. and as far as I know, they are, they are still producing masks for donation, but uh, but they also sell them too now. So, yeah, the masks are really great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they they definitely seem like, and I realize like they've signed off, and they're probably like, "Boy, they just keep talking about us," which I'm sure is a business. <laughs> you don't really, that's kind of a good thing. Um, but I just I like cable. Like I will probably be removing quite a few of my jackets to just, you know, where I like, I'll keep hoodies and I'll keep maybe one super heavy winter coat, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, whether you're a, a, a Trekkie or not, or whatever your fandom is, they're just, they're just fucking cool. And, and it's super in- comfortable again, like they fit so well. I bought mine off the rack. I had the exact same experience that you described that you had in Vegas when I went to Rose city. I tried it on and I went, son of a bitch, I have to buy this. I do believe I did walk by and say, because you were doing, either you came to my table or I found you and I was like, Cable, by the way, Volante's here and they have next gen stuff. And you were like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. I went, well, I'll go try it out. I'll try things on and see what I need to save up for. And it was like, shit, I'm, I'm leaving with this coat today. I'm 100% doing this. Uh, do they come to those 
themselves because like when I see pictures of David or like when no one I saw him today, he looked really familiar and I think there's a chance he helped me try on a jacket at Rose City Comic Con. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. I know he mentioned uh, he might have he might probably fit one of you guys, but that was at Star Trek. Yeah, that would have been me. Yeah. Right, right. Um yeah, I think actually by the time I went to pull the trigger on mine, my size had sold out. But they literally, like, on the pad, on their iPad, they're like, well, just order it here. You'll get it, like, in two weeks. This was, like, I guess that was, like, literally the first runs that they were debuting at STLV. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I, I wavered back and forth too long. But, yeah, like, three weeks later, like, it, it showed up at my door. So. Yeah, even even I could, like, basically, I could have walked away with one the same day. It was an excellent fit. The only thing it would have needed was the um, hemming the – the cuff, they make them. Oh. They make right. them sort of open ended on purpose so that you can customize that. Right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, yeah, that was super cool. It's great to talk to them, and we'll uh, talk to them again on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to kind of be there and talk about the rollout with them and, uh, and see cable, the designs. <laughs> yeah, and cable. Hopefully, you can pop in. I know you got to work during that time. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll see. Just see what the day looks like. If I have a moment that I can do that, then I'll step off the floor. Yeah, and uh, I mean, but check their website. If there's one you really want, like I can do it. And you can just Venmo we'll be back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better check my size. Right. Uh, so yeah, what else we got on the show today? I mean, that was the good stuff there. Yeah, I know we bandied a couple things around, but did we really decide anything? I think we were kind of talking yes. about... Yes, we did. Yeah, I think the main one, Cable, correct me if I'm wrong, was the craft trailer, but then rolling into how that's becoming the new you know, video on demand versus theatrical release. That, that was one of the two things. The other right. thing was someone just finally finished The Clone Wars. That is right. I, I, I almost finished last night. Um, but it was like one forty-five, and I still had an episode and a half to go. So I was like, you know what? I really, really need to go to bed because I've been not getting enough sleep. So I, I finished them earlier today. Ooh. So you said like even the new stuff, right? Like the stuff yes, they just yes. did. Like, when I say finished, I mean like I watched the last two seven. episodes of season seven this morning. That fucking Fuck. scene where Ahsoka and Anakin look at each other for the last time. Uh, oh my! I mean, there's there's a lot. I there, I have a lot of like thoughts about the series as a whole. Uh, I never took any notes while I was watching it, and it definitely took me a while. So some of the stuff that's like from earlier on is going to be largely on memory, not very detailed. But um, the one thing I do have to say is I never the art never really grew on me. It's not a style that I personally am crazy for. Really. It's not as a whole, but there are just certain details where I think the art style is not well suited to certain details, if that makes sense. Right. Um, Like, like hair, especially sometimes some hairstyles look really, really cool in that art style. And then other hairstyles look really weird. And I don't know. Almost like. Yes, yeah, helmet-like. It just looks like a plastic action figure with mm-hmm. plastic hair instead of, like, you know, whatever synthetic fiber hair. Um, oh, 
Oh, she's holding she, so still. Oh, she, did she, she freeze? Froze in, she froze in mid-thought. Yes, she did. <laughs> See, she it's actually a good. Too. It's a good pose for her, though. It's all. It like, is. Yeah, it's, like she's gazing into the distance. What? Oh, bean, oh, bean. What happened to she's our? She's about bean? to freeze. Yep, she just froze on the uh, on the feed. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, everybody, um, say stuff about her while she's not... Don't do that, because she will hear back eventually. Yes, she will. Um, so, do we want to do the... Uh, let's talk about pay-per-view, and then we'll... Well, I mean... Spend I a lot of time she, on... I figure she's going to come back here. Okay. Um, we'll see what happens. Do, 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 do. Oh, no! We've killed her, people. We've digitally destroyed Denise. Uh, and Oh, no, she's back. She's fine. We didn't Hi. Sorry. I have, I've been having some connectivity issues lately. Um... I don't know where I left off. Uh, I think it was helmet hair and then whatever. And then you looked up wistfully to think, and then that's exactly when it froze. <laughs> and so yet for a second there, I thought you guys were just holding really still and listening very attentively. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, so keep moving us. so I know if, you, if I lose you guys again. Um, so initially, initially, the stories don't really feel like they have a lot of meat um, they, you know, they have arcs of like two to three episodes, but they, they just sort of feel like these little one-off stories that don't have any major connection to the, the, the universe as a whole, you know, again, mm-hmm. the, the Skywalker saga. Um, and of course I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff from like early, early seasons that starts to crop back up again in seasons four through six and then definitely stuff like really is brought back around for season seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that like my favorite arcs or the, or the ones that I found most memorable and interesting are probably obvious choices, but like anything having to do with Asajj Ventress was always really, really fun, especially when they start diving into her backstory. And I totally could have done with more of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's obvious, but I just would have loved to have spent more time fleshing that out rather than just kind of like quick snippets, just enough information to kind of tell you like, okay, first this happened to her and then this, and, you know, eventually she ends up here. Um, She's super tragic in that no one ever really follows through with her. Like everyone in her life betrays her. Well, not not exactly, but at one point she is being trained by a Jedi master um, and that could have, he, you know, and he dies. So that kind of ends then and there. She could have had a very, very different life if that guy hadn't have died. But as we know, it probably would have still ended pretty tragically for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that my read on Asajj uh, parallels with Ahsoka. I consider them to be two sides of the same coin that their lives, the way everything, especially the way everything ends for Ahsoka, um, they, they were, they were having the exact same problems on both sides of of war and both Mm -hmm. sides of the, the light side and the dark side. And I think Asajj figured that out earlier than Ahsoka did. Right. Well, because because Asajj has de- definitely had a, a a more cutthroat life versus Ahsoka. Her her upbringing really focused a lot around like hopefulness and kind of 
believing the best or expecting the best out of people, it took her because a much longer time to become disillusioned. That's because she was raised by the Jedi. Right. Um, and Ahsoka right. was never raised by any one person in particular. Right. And and of those that did, not, none of them were, most of them were not necessarily positive, hopeful influences in her life. No, they were, they were always all using her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of the reasons why both Ahsoka and Asajj are like my top two favorite Star Wars characters of all time. Yeah. And I think when I said betrayed, I think that's what, what I more meant is that um, Ahsoka has character people that do care for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asajj does not. As she's just a tool to get what they want next. Right. You know? Like you could maybe argue that uh, Mother Talzin and the other Night Sisters cared for her, but even then it was still she was still a vessel for their, you know, for them furthering their mm-hmm. their means. Mm-hmm. Um all of the stuff with Duchess Satine and the Mandalorians was always really interesting, and I can totally see why there have been a lot of books and other media that spend more time on their culture and their history. Right. And why those also, of us watching the Mandalorian have been freaking the fuck out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A lot of other stuff also makes a lot more sense now. I think I might have to rewatch the Mandalorian soon, mm-hmm. but I really want to jump into Rebels now. Um, and Rebels then is, one thing I'll say on Rebels, in my opinion, Rebels is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. The first half of season one. And not to say that the whole thing isn't enjoyable by kids. The first half of season one feels like it really is made for kids. But I think it's almost deliberate. Mm. Because it's so mm-hmm. lighthearted. Like, oh, we're wacky rebels. And we're just poking at the Empire because they're not, you know, they're just kind of an annoyance to us out here. And then, this doesn't give anything away, but halfway through season two, Tarkin arrives. And that show takes a fucking turn where you're like, oh, you know what? being part of an early resistance against an evil empire isn't all fucking fun and games. Oh, crap. And, and it's it, all... It's, yeah. It's 100% the arrival of Target. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I would almost argue that see, the early seasons, maybe just season one of Clone Wars, is sort of similar in that way. It, it mm-hmm. felt very much like a children's show that kind mm-hmm. of ages gradually, like things get more serious. You start having more death and more... Like the villainy aspects get a little bit more sinister with every passing season until you get to, oh, I just straight up just murdered this Jedi. Um, I feel like the the sea change on Clone Wars is somewhere in season three. And I want to say it's also linked to when they have a two-part episode that explains on a level that children can understand what war profiteering is and why it is bad. Mm-hmm. That is That was a weird episode, a two-part episode to watch, and I went, this just stopped being a kid's show. Well, it's, it's a kid's show, but mm-hmm. it's the... Forg- it's think- not just for entertaining children anymore. It is, it, no. it is a teaching tool now. It became a show that could be like all great shows that are, quote, geared for kids. Um could be enjoyed on multiple levels. When you're eight years old, you're watching Jedi and clones and robots and pew, pew, pew. 
your parents are seeing something much different. And then when you're older and you revisit it, you're like, oh, that's where I picked this stuff up. Like, this is where it is, you know? That's why I want to fight the the powers that be. That's why I want systemic change. Oh, right. I learned and, it from and Star Wars. Some, and there's some pretty touchy subjects in there, too, because, like, all the stuff with um, the Mandalorian system, you know, wanting to be strictly, strictly pacifists and, you know, being neutral in the war, like, normally that would be considered a good thing, you know, pacifism. Mm-hmm. But but it comes with a whole lot of other problems that you sort of open yourself up to, and people don't necessarily like to talk about those. So it's it, – that was a pretty – it's a per- some pretty mature content is what right. I, I what I would say. The I think of the episode with the the one Jedi general that literally is like you're just clones. You oh man, you're not actually alive, and that hit me like, oh, that's right. We've been looking at it as clones, and ah, oh, they're 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 soldiers. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. But as the war rides on, you're like, oh no, the Republic created a race of people to do the fighting they couldn't do. Oh, the Republic mm-hmm. made slaves. Right. And but it's just, not, well, no, it's just not programmed they, them to serve. It's not that they couldn't do it. It's that they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to draft, you know, actual, actual citizens because then yeah. that would make them. No one's going to, no one's going to re-vote for those people. You, you become right. an unsavory politician it's because like you're a, sending your kids off to war. It's, yeah, it reminds me to go back to Star Trek really quick. It reminds me of the episode of TOS, The Taste of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. This planet, these two planets have been at war for millennia, but they use a computer. And if your city's hit, you walk into a disintegration chamber. And Kirk destroys the computer at the end. They're like, what have you done? We're, you're going to put us back to when there was disease and, and famine and radiation. He's like, yeah, war is ugly. You shouldn't want it. So now you can either talk or go back to how war is supposed to be fought. Not mm-hmm. your not your clean way, and that's that's a huge part of what the the prequels of the of the saga are about, right? It's about war by proxy and how you're not necessarily saving lives by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, we could spend a lot, a lot of time on all of that, but um, it's pretty. There's a lot to talk <laughs> with it. Um, I don't want to get so niche with it, though. Um, I do want to talk more about Season 7, though, because I know that for people who got around to watching the whole series in its completion at the beginning, um, I forgot to check. How many years went by between season end of Season 6 and then Season 7 releasing? I want to say four. Like in Star Wars times or like the like no, our just, time? Yeah. No, in in actual like media. Um yeah. And I I know that now that like season 7 or season 6 ends pretty open-endedly. Mm-hmm. Like it just it just ends like any other season without any without any any it anything was... really being resolved. You're you're in a high point of the clone wars and a lot of bad things have happened. Not a lot of great stuff uh, by this point, and then it just it's just over. So I know that that must have been really hard for people who are watching the show in real time to kind of like sit there with all these questions. Mm-hmm. Mostly what season six was designed to do, and it was also a truncated season. Like all the other seasons were like 20 episodes and, or something like that. And season six was 
five to eight episodes, I believe. Was it that quick? Yeah, it was yeah. short, and it was uh, Netflix was the one that stepped in and kind of. Uh, and this was because they called it what, the lost episodes. Yeah, um, the the goal that season six ended up fulfilling was that they wanted to provide more philosophical and metaphysical um, fill in those gaps about what the Jedi believe during the Clone Wars and what we and how they are represented in Star Wars. Like this whole concept of the Force Ghost where you work mm-hmm. you become one with the Force and then you can revisit people throughout their lives um, was not a con- concept that had that was introduced with uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. But never really explained. Right. Because none of the other Jedi had experienced that before. They're, they were like, we die. So the, the whole concept that Yoda reconnected with Qui-Gon Jinn through the Force was the first time he's like, I, that's when Yoda went, I've, I'm 900 years old and apparently I don't understand the Force at all. <laughs> which you know you could write a whole thesis on in and of itself like just mm-hmm. that little just that little detail there yeah um and that's one of the things that i really especially with the advent of the seventh season is it really it also as a series provides a lot of backstory that is missing if you are only watching the movies yep it it gives it completes that connective tissue between Attack of the Clones, Clone Wars, um, the Gendi Tartoski show, and the Clone Wars animated series, and then Revenge of the Sith. Right. It puts them all back together. Yeah. Well, it just, it really fleshes out, um, like, the course of the relationship between Padme and Anakin. Mm -hmm. It fleshes out the, like, the gradual chipping away of Anakin's belief system. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think, you know, when I was younger at the time, I haven't really watched the movies in many, many years, but you watch uh, Attack of the Clones and then you watch, um, what's the third one? Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and it, it almost seems like a really quick, illogical heel turn for Anakin. I know that there's some scenes that involve him and the senator and he's planting a lot of seeds, but it still seems pretty quick. And so to get that extra time with him having all of these different experiences after different battles, time spent with the Senator um, and the stuff that goes down between him and Padme over the years, it really, really kind of adds a lot more relatability to the Mm -hmm. way his, his feelings about everything changed and how easily he was able to make that turn when the time came. My niece just started watching the, uh, the movies and uh, my sister and brother-in-law actually started her with the Phantom Menace. I was going to ask like, what order are they doing? They're, they're doing chronological. So they're, they're doing those three. Or they, they they just finished those three. The next ones they're going to do are Solo and then Rogue One and then follow into four, five, and six. How old is she? 
she just turned six. No, seven. I mean, seven. A seven-year-old is going to love the Phantom Menace. She, so. The I thing mean, as that, a rule. Yeah. The thing that my, my sister told me was that she was unprepared for how, how much empathy and how deeply she felt for the plight of Anakin because her introduction to Anakin as a child herself mm-hmm. is another kid. She's like, Oh, he's just a little kid like me. And so she immediately bonded with that depiction of Anakin. And then to see him turn into Vader, she's like this poor man. That's like everything horrible happened to him. It's like, good God, Dave Filoni is right. Star Wars is for children. Yeah. It's the, Oh wait, they're cool. He gets to be a Jedi. What do you mean you're taking him away from his mom? Yeah. And then so, episode two, they're like, okay, he's a Jedi. He's going to go free mom. The council's like, no, you can't. Why not? Right. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause those are the rules right. that we just made up. <laughs> do you have a flag? <laughs> yep. I mean, that, that's the, the perfect example of law and order is not justice and equality. Those are two separate things. Right. Sometimes they overlap, but a lot of times they don't. And the Jedi's protect law and order. It seems kind of like, I don't know. It seems weird, but I always wonder. So years ago, Dark Horse did basically this thing called Star Wars Infinities, where they did like their versions of what if. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of want to see one of what if Qui-Gon had not declined a seat on the council and steered the council through his philosophy. As they mentioned in Phantom Menace, he's the only person who's ever denied a seat on the council because he doesn't agree with him. Mm-hmm. You know, so what if he had, what if he had accepted and tried to change how the council got involved, how, how the council dealt with, you know, Baby the galaxy. Uh, I know how that works. It never does. It is so, so rare to join uh, a leadership group thinking that you will change the things you don't like from the inside. Well, I think that would have been the interesting thing is like that would have made an even more disillusioned Qui-Gon. So what happens to that character from then on in? Okay. okay. How does that influence how he teaches Obi-Wan? Like it sends these little ripples and whatever, you know. I mean, it already sends a big ripple by you kill that one character who would have been the only person that could have actually trained Anakin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why he had to be taken out of the equation. Right, yeah. Right. And that's kind of a running theme throughout all of Star Wars is the degradation of a system that maybe used to be uh, really good and helped the people in its community. But every time you lose a good person in that group, the, the formula gets diluted a little bit more, mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, and, you know, so Anakin was pretty young to have a Padawan of his own, but, but that was, those were the circumstances. And in that particular example, it, it was going pretty well until it wasn't. But weirdly enough, Anna, it's, it wasn't Anakin's fault when she decides to leave the the order. Mm-hmm. He's like the one person who's really, really sticking up for her when no one else believes in her innocence. He doesn't blame her at all. 
No, no. And but even then, that is another example about how Anakin lets his personal connections and feelings interfere with the rules. Which uh, is, again, goes back to had Qui-Gon lived, Qui-Gon would have fostered that in Anakin rather than Obi-Wan who said, no, this, these are the ways you have to deny your emotional connections. Right. Qui-Gon Which then went, leads him to look for the support in that arena that he wants somewhere else. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. The painful thing being is that Obi-Wan flat out loves Anakin like a brother. And it's not yes. just a lion and Sith. It's it's and Obi Wan I think realizes that the Jedi need to show emotion too late. Mm-hmm. Which yep. Speaking of which, really quickly, it's available online. But if you can't find it, I can send it to you. I got to read the original episode nine, the one before Abrams ruined everything. That was when it was titled <laughs> "Duel of the Fates." Hmm. Um. Holy crap. I would read that. I would definitely read that. I mean, when things get filmed, things can change, but from a story, it's so good. It's amazing. And it's touching like on a lot of the that. stuff we're talking about, like right here. Um Yeah. I don't want to give anything away. I'll send I'll yeah, I'll send it to you guys. I, I look forward to you watching Rebels now, Bean, because mm-hmm. I think like Rebels took me a minute to get into because it felt very kid-friendly and like it was designed for kids and there's a lot of goofiness. And it did not stay that way. And it started, like, episodes that I thought were like, oh, I don't want to watch this kid go through this uh, this training. Those ended up becoming some of my favorite episodes because they started dealing with Here's where the Jedi were wrong. Oh, I lost Bean again. She'll be back again. Okay. But I'll wait. That means she now knows the glory of Hondo. 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 Sorry, you're back. Again. Again. I know, I know. Uh, Okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to like kind of recap where I lost you at. It was a kid. You didn't want to watch Rebels because it felt like children's stuff. It did. Like like Aaron was saying at the beginning of it, it it feels very like it's just designed to be kiddie Star Wars, not Star Wars for kids. Because again, Star Wars is supposed to be for kids. Right. And um, do you mean that in in terms of like the content and storytelling, or the are the or is it like all young young characters? Oh no, uh, it's not all young characters. No, uh, but the lead character is a kid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two of the lead characters are kids. Like, um, I think when we meet him, uh, the character of Ezra is roughly. Uh, 12 and uh, the character of Sabine is 15 mm-hmm. and by the end of the series they are I think 18 and 21 right okay um, they they don't start like Rebels starts doing the same thing that Clone Wars does where it fills in all of these gaps for information um, between Revenge of the Sith and uh, A New Hope. Uh, one of the amazing things that it does is really talk about the Force in a way that we haven't seen talked about 
in any of the movies because there are no Jedi at this point, or there's not supposed to be. Right. And the storytellers that we have talking about the, the Force are talking about it from these are people who have been separated for by at least two decades from when the Jedi were at their power. Mm-hmm. Right. Till now when they have been turned into um, myths from Imperial propaganda. Right. And it, they take a lot more. It's like, let's, let's go back and revisit what Qui-Gon was talking about, about the, the force being a living thing and how it connects all things. And it is not just light and dark. Sorry, I just saw something that will crack you up. It'll crack you up, Cable. It won't mean much to Bean right now, but I can still say it. So first off, if you think if you think R two is a little murder astromech, wait till you meet Chopper. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Chopper's backstory is that he was outdated during the Clone Wars and mm-hmm. he's never had a wipe. I I just looked something up on Google. This will crack you up. It's been confirmed, Cable. Mm-hmm. Again, Bean does nothing to the story. It's just a hilarious little trivia. So Chopper has 19 confirmed direct kills and estimated assistant kills of just under 50 fast. Because <laughs> he's a little murder droid. I, my fr- the first time that I tried to watch Rebels, I hated Chopper. Hated him, and I'm like, oh, goddamn, this... It's like these these shows and they're goddamn droids. And I it's have... It's a cute little thing that just goes... Burr, burr, burr. And by the end of Rebels, he was, again, one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Like, I have so much empathy for, for Chopper. Yeah. Um, when you first see him, like, oh, he's another cute, weird little droid. Halfway into Rebels, you're like, oh, no, you're... You're an old, like angry like veteran droid that really wants to be done with all this shit but you have no choice because you're a fucking droid yeah yeah. (laughs) he has other issues too that as you learn about them it's like oh okay then yeah uh yeah he's great ap5 is great i love ap5 (laughs) yeah you're gonna dig rebels being yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it Um, for it to also break your heart at times just get ready I know that I know that Saw Gerrera uh, features in this one. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how heavily. I was kind of in my mind. I got my. I guess like my head canon is that after after Order sixty six, which is the end of season seven, uh, I picture a, a, a situation where Ahsoka goes back to that planet where she helped train those rebels, including Saw Gerrera, um, and joins them. Yeah, uh, yeah. If we go, if we if we delve into more, because Rebels and Clone Wars they connect pretty quickly. I think by season two you start to see connections. Okay, is there some overlap in the timelines of the two shows? No, not at all. No. Okay, so everything in Rebels picks up after the end of Clone Wars. Yeah, Rebels is. Uh. I mean, Rebels spans a few years anyway, but Rebels is roughly five years before A New Hope. Okay. Yes. Um, and to show how it spans, you can actually see connections between Rebels and Rogue One. In fact, the ghost is in the ship in Rebels is in the background in Rogue One. It's in the fight, the battle over Scarif. It's there. 
Okay. Uh, it's also on the rise of Skywalker, but who cares? <laughs> um. Yeah. Yep. Should we roll in the other topic before we just delve into super spoiler territory? Because I don't want Bean to be spoiled on anything of Rebels. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I like. I had uh, two or three. Plus, things Cable spoiled. and I are privately chatting. Like, remember that one scene? Yes. So we got. To <laughs> yep. Um. I had a couple things spoiled for me for um, Rebels, so I knew where things were going to go. Knowing that and then watching it were two different things. Like, knowing that this thing was going to happen did not effectively prepare me for how it happened at all. Not even a little. So, uh, well told, I'm I'm assuming, is what you're hinting at. Yeah, like, it's made me think differently about spoilers. Like, I can know a thing about things. um, uh, But it's... It still doesn't. It still doesn't change or take away the journey. The experience. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with Rebels, it was. I knew two of the biggest spoilers that you could have from that, and it's like, oh, nope. Still, I'm was still not ready for any of that. Yeah. Uh, no, I I totally. I get that because that's why a lot of times I'm like, don't worry, go ahead and t- give me the spoiler. I'll probably, it just, it's not the same. It's being told a thing or like maybe reading about it on accident is not the same as seeing it happen or reading it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy rebels. Yes. Just and don't then take we can... long to watch it. Cause I want to be to talk with it more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is shorter I, seasons. It's only 13 episode seasons. Okay. And there's only four. I did notice there were fewer seasons. So yeah, it'll mm-hmm. probably take me less time to, to get through. Uh, for Clone Wars is a little bit of a slog. Yes. Cause they were just trying to have fun. Uh, right. Like I think it took a couple seasons for, in order for Dave Filoni to really find out his voice and figure out what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And, I mean, and, not to say it wasn't fun. It's just a lot. Yeah, and George Lucas was still very heavily involved at that point. Mm. Which, as it turns out, is a benefit in the long term because, as Filoni has said, and like, I really, man, Dave Filoni is really the spiritual successor to George Lucas as far as the Star Wars franchise goes. Yeah, he is. There are so many people that are involved that need to be there because they keep the the machine running. But, man, I am so glad Dave Filoni is involved at all because he actually understands what Lucas was trying to do in a way that no one else does. So. Right. It's interesting because the... um... From the from the interviews that I've I've listened to or like the stories that I've heard, in some ways I feel like Filoni might be a better guardian of of this canon than Lucas. So I've just I've I, over the years I've really gotten the impression that a lot of a lot of like the deeper lore and the like the continuity stuff that that puts every, you know it brings everything together. In, in Lucas's mind was like really more of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and it seems like Filoni is a lot more precious with with those deeper details and the and the moral message I think is just like a little bit more tightly wrapped up. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. It it is also where I get this whole Star Wars is for kids because that's what Dave Filoni said. That was the number one lesson that he learned from Lucas. It's like Star Wars is for kids. Star Wars is for children. If you <laughs> lose that, then you are not making Star Wars. And then one last thing before we jump into their topic, mm-hmm. uh, Bean, you're going to fall in love with Sabine and all of her different fashion and hairstyles. Motherfucker. <laughs> Super. She's yep. the Mandalorian that loves to tag things. <laughs> all right. So the next thing we're going to roll into, because we got about, I don't know, about half an hour roughly, yep. uh, is today the uh, Bloomhouse and I forgot what network. Columbia. Columbia. Sony. They, yeah, yeah, they released the trailer to The Craft Legacy, mm-hmm. um, which I found out is not a remake. It's a continuation it of that world. It, I thought it, it was going to be a remake. The, I think everyone still thinks that. It's listed that way on IMDb, but you watch the trailer, and <laughs> there is one element in the trailer that tells you this is not a remake. Correct. This is a sequel. <laughs> Um, Bean, have you watched the trailer yet? Uh, I missed it. I'm yeah. kind of looking at it now, but there's no audio, which is a lot of it, I think. Yes. I We could play it live, but it's primarily music. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of like... Ah! Right. Actually, I would love to play it live because I'm like I, I'm not getting any of the dialogue. And all, that. all right. Well, you know what? Let's do it. I don't care. Let's see. do that. Uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to go use the restroom. I'll be right back. Right, let me... Okay. I do have it pulled up already. Uh, I think I'm the only one that can share with audio. Actually, you know what? You should do it. This is behind the scenes here. You should do it because I'm the one directly streaming to YouTube and I don't want to screw that up. Okay. So, uh... All the participants. Okay. This. All participants. Let's bring this back to the beginning. Are you seeing it? No. Uh, the... Yes. Okay. Can I make you it? Should, you need to unmute uh, your YouTube. That's why you're not. Right. Oh, it's paused right now. Oh, okay. That's true. There we so go. It's... Full screen. All right. Go. And playing. Nope, not still not hearing anything. The audio is on. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Go back. All right, is it not working? Yeah, I'm gonna stop your sharing really quick. Okay. Well, now it's bugging me. Now I'm gonna have to figure it out. It's gonna drive me nuts because we had mm-hmm. audio before. Right. All right, try it again. Ah, hold on. All right, I'm going to try and do it here. Let me see if I can do it. Okay. Very well. 
That's just thrilling for everyone listening to. <laughs> we can cut this later, right? Never. Yeah. We do it live. Did you watch the trailer? We're working on uh, it. Technical oh. difficulties. All right, hold on, hold on. All right, now let me try. That's right, cable. Oh, theory. Oh, theory. Yes. Yeah. Board, light as a feather, stiff as a board. feels fast but it's nice isn't it to have a family unit come on in and meet the boys i'm really excited to meet you feeling about school you can meet some new friends i know why the cage bird sings Um, wow that is super nasty all right enough settle down boys are the worst hey it happens to everyone. He's made us all cry at one point or another. You should come over after school. What is all this? This is a ceremony to celebrate you. Why would you celebrate me? Because you're out fourth. Just in time for first period. Half the battle of having powers is believing you do. That's why covens have always been important. If we can do that, what else can we do? We need to put a spell on Timmy. We don't want to hurt him though, right? She's right. The number one rule of the craft. If a person is a danger to herself or others... They will be bound. Uh, I was starting to get a little worried. Sorry, I was just hanging out with my friends. We've gone too far. Was this just like some game to you? I feel different. Be careful. A lot of weirdos out here. We are the weirdos, mister. So yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I want to check it out. I mean, I saw some people posting like, oh man, it's got to be garbage because it's going right to video on demand and stuff. And I'm like, have you looked around the world? Like, movies are not making money if they go to the theater. Yeah, I. that's a really... I don't even know. Like, how can you just... Do you live under a rock? Right, yeah. Well, and that was kind of what we wanted to talk about when we all watched Mulan, which was a big budget movie that was designed to be seen in the theater. And it was to meant to be. Yep. It was supposed to be in theaters in, like, what, early April? May, I think. May, yeah. yeah May. It had a date and everything. Um, it was basically, it was Disney's summer movie. 
right before Black Widow. That's kind of how the breakdown was going to go. It was going to be Mulan, then I think Wonder Woman, and then Disney was going to drop Black Widow. I think that was going to be like the summer schedule. Black Widow was earlier. It was actually oh, was supposed it? to be spring. Yeah. Oh, it was Black Widow um, mm-hmm. Memorial Day? Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe it is going to be bad. Like, who knows? But, you know. I mean, it's a Blumhouse, and I cannot tell you. I, I, I don't think I've seen any Blumhouse film that disappointed. Yeah, I've had Blumhouse That's... films that kind of missed the mark for me, but even in those, they had things that I appreciated. Like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe I didn't love it, but it doesn't mean, it, I don't mean that it was a bad film or, you know, poorly done. Right, like, maybe Fantasy Island didn't stick the landing for me, but I loved the concept of their version of Fantasy Island. I thought it was great. Mm. Um, I like the business model that Blumhouse has been using for, mm-hmm. like, they are the modern day uh, Hammer House of Horror. Right. Um, but in this particular instance, I, I think that they are the best poised to take advantage of the fact that we cannot have theatrical releases in a safe manner. Um, so how do you get this new content out to people? You do pay-per-view on demand. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm sure that this had a theatrical release on the calendar at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, and I almost guarantee it. Instead, they're doing exactly what they have always done, which is adapt to survive. Um, I'm sure it helps that they already have a relationship with a streaming service, so they they have experience and know-how on that, in that part. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Bloomhouse has done this model for a while. Um, I didn't even realize. um, They actually... Uh, were involved with an, a movie that I actually just watched the other day. Um, took me a while to get to it, but uh, The Invisible Man. Oh, so right. good, right? Yep. Yes, and I also learned that it was part of this sort of like reboot of classic Universal horror characters. Yes, that Universal completely fucked up. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because first it was the Mummy, the Tom Cruise version, which I don't, I don't know how that, how well that did, but I know I had zero interest in ever seeing that. So fucking um, bad. And then um, there was one other one that was that either was it was coming out soon or already came out. Well, they wanted to say that fucking Dracula Unbound was going to be where they were going to officially launch the Dark Universe. First off, the that Dark movie, Universe. That Thank movie you. is trash. Um. The Mummy could have been good, but it was it just became Tom Cruise's ego. Like it just became Tom Cruise fighting a sexy mummy, and I just don't give a shit about that. Right, I, I don't. I, the fastest way to get me to not see it, not want to see a movie, is if Tom Cruise is in it. Um, oh, also, there's supposed to be a Bride of Frankenstein. I think that one was like a future date, and so now it's totally on hold. Oh man! But because the Mummy did so poorly, they were actually going to can the whole the whole idea, I guess, but, um, but they were already in post-production for, uh, Invisible Man. Uh, I'm, I'm not super sure of the details. Uh, I, th- I think what they keep seem to forget is that an element to the classic universal horror movies, uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, um, 
is that there is a sense of adventure to them, mm-hmm. as well as a focus on humanity um, within the the monsters themselves, so that, that the real terror becomes the absence of humanity in the humans. Yeah, the only universal monster that is without that I believe is without any kind of redeeming qualities is uh, the mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Karloff's depiction of the mummy. He's evil. He's selfish. Like that's even Dracula has a bit of tragedy to him, especially the, the Frankenstein and the creature and the brother, like all of them. The invisible man's driven mad by his experiments. The, the mummy is the only one that doesn't have any, he's just flat out evil. And, yes. wants, and wants control and power and the woman that he loved that he like murdered everyone to try to get. And, um, yeah, Sofia Botella played the mummy in the Tom Cruise one. And she looks great, but she's completely wasted in that entire film. Mm. Um, I could go on and on about that. I actually wrote like a two-page write-up of how you could relaunch all the Universal Monster movies and it start and it spins off of the uh, Brendan Fraser mummy movies. Like, that's where you go back to. I think that was the last time that that was done well. God, those movies are so good. Yes. Those are a lot of fun. Because they they understand you have to have heart to it. Um, You have to have characters that you are emotionally invested in so that when horrible things happen, you care. And... uh, just the charisma of Fraser and Vice on screen, like oh, together and alone, they are so fun to watch in those movies. Mm-hmm. So much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to uh, direct to <laughs> direct to streaming. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a model that I would like to see more people, more studios just embrace. Um, it's not that I want to see movie houses go out of business, but I, in an ideal world, I would like them to like focus. Like the thing that should be laid bare here is how much money is just used for all the wrong things in this. Like there's the reason it costs $50 for two people to go to the movies these days is they're putting all the money in all the wrong places. Yeah. And, and you know, and something else too, like, <clears throat> I see some things kind of making the circles that like A, Mulan was a huge flop for Disney and it actually wasn't. Um, and this will tie into something else. Um, Yahoo was able to kind of figure out the numbers that Disney got from it mm-hmm. based on how many subscribers there are Disney Plus there's a huge fucking amount. And they figured out that about 20% of them bought the, the unlimited Mulan screening. Okay. And they ran the numbers and that broke down to a domestic only, a $250 million box office in basically two weeks. Um, Mulan cost $200 million to make. So people are like, oh, they lost all the money. And I'm like, no, they didn't. They didn't have to cut that with anybody. That 240 is theirs. They are not sharing it with studio, with uh, theaters. Box office. Box office. That's all theirs. So yeah, it's not this beast that it would have been if it had gotten a global theatrical release, but it didn't kind of need to be. 
they would have loved that, but in the state of the world, it's not going to be. And I think Warner Brothers learned that with Tenet. They're going to take a bath on that movie. You know, all because Christopher Nolan refused to have it be released on demand because of he's Christopher Nolan. Um, and while I'm disappointed by this, like, I appreciate that they also want Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 84 to have a theatrical release. That means they pushed it out a year. Yeah, and well, and that's, that's something else to think about, too, because I've also heard, like, oh, my God, if they're not, like, if Disney's not putting Black Widow, um, you know, does that mean, if, if they're waiting for theatrical, does that mean they don't have the confidence in it, same with Warner Brothers and Wonder Woman? And my thoughts are like, no, that's not it at all. You have to think about, like, the world we're in. Parents have been quarantined with their children for six months now. Mm-hmm. Um, Mulan was the greatest thing that could ever happen to them. They spent $30, and their kids are going to watch Mulan over and over and over again. You're not going to get that same kind of replay with Wonder Woman and Black Widow with your target audience. Nope. Not the way, like, kids are going to watch Mulan. So... I don't think they'd get the same return on investment if Disney Plus debuted Black Widow for 30 bucks, or if HBO Max made it an add-on for Wonder Woman. It's just not mm-hmm. going to happen because the audience is different. Mm-hmm. The reason for buying it is, yeah, you want a good time, but... And, and there's also some smart play on um, Warner Brothers' part in that before Wonder Woman 84 hits next year, Snyder's Justice League will have hit HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Right. And people will have seen that and then can, like, if they want to retroactively go, this was the Justice League you were supposed to get that begets this version of Wonder Woman. That will beget Flashpoint. Right. Yeah, so... Look, it sucks for all these studios right now. And I'm kind of tired of the whole, like, well, screw them. They're multi-billion dollar companies. I mean, yeah, they are. They're all still bleeding money. And if you celebrate their demise, you're being a fool because you're crippling, A, tens of thousands of people's livelihood. If you all you think of studios, if you think of just execs and your big name stars, well, you're you're an idiot. <laughs> it's... The, film, the entertainment industry employs accountants and carpenters and electricians and drivers and cooks. Like, movies are basically small cities that pop up for 90 days and then go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I'm a little well, like there. Cable was saying, is like, you know, there is the potential that successful uh Film houses will look at this as an opportunity to reprioritize where they spend their money. Mm-hmm. And maybe actually take the opportunity to shake up the system. Like part of the reason they're hemorrhaging, that any business is hemorrhaging money, is the money is going the wrong direction. Every yeah. time I hear a multi billion dollar corporation go, we're losing money left and right, it's like that's because you are still insisting on paying your shareholders more than you are paying the people any who of actually your create the right. work. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and with, with studios, it's like you cannot, like I can be mad at studio execs and um, 
shareholders and studios for taking money away from the actors and the writers, the directors, the the grips, the studio, everyone who works on the ground, including every 18-year-old that is working a churro stand in their theme parks. Right. And they just laid off 28,000 people today. Jesus. And that's not where they should be making the layoffs. They should go, I'm sorry, Barney, we're not paying you $6.2 million. We're going to use that to keep all of these people employed. And Barney should go, yeah, that's the human thing to do because I have six houses. I'm fine. Right. But no, that's, you know, that's what I get mad about. But Nobody wanted to live in that world. Yeah. But the, if, if we lose these studios, that is, then we lose the art that comes out of it and we lose entertainment that comes out of it. And that is going to deal us a blow that we aren't emotionally prepared for as a society. Right. What's, what could also happen, though, is, you know, much like after any major disaster, let's say giant fire comes through and wipes wipes out all these big established forests. But what's going to be left behind are all the nutrients that you need to start over again. If, if, a, if a couple big movie houses, you know, go defunct, there are still going to be people who want to write stories, act in them, create and build and all of the different things that go into making a film. I, I, I firmly believe that those people will start their own thing. It, it, it will create a vacuum uh, to some degree that people are going to want to fill. And in theory, those are going to be people who want to do things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully in the film industry, it means we'll, we'll see a return to mid budget films. Cause right now there's either just small budget or there's blockbusters. Like there's right. no room for that. I, I think places like Bloomhouse are doing the mid budget films. Yes, they are. Um, the, the, the studios that I know New Line puts them out, but the production companies that put out the entire Conjuring Universe movies, they're all mid-range budgets. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it helps that they primarily do horror, and as a rule, horror doesn't lose money. No, it does not. It's a forgiving audience that will go and go and go. But Because we're always chasing that thing that's actually going to scare us. Yeah. It wasn't this this time, but that next thing, that next but thing. It had, it had parts of it. Please, please just scare me once. Yeah. I, at the beginning of the, the trailer for the craft, I, I had that moment. That I, if you were watching live, you saw my eyes go wide when I went, Oh my God, this means there's, there's going to be a craft haunt at the next Halloween, uh, Hollywood horror nights. Ooh. <laughs> Cause there's always a Blumhouse house. That's true. <laughs> or they tried Invisible yes. Man. They, or did they I'm sure they would have done that this year. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, we should wrap up the show, friends. Yes. Uh, next week we kick off Trektober, right? That yes, is we correct. Do. We will be starting with uh, original series Wolf in the mm-hmm. Fold. That's right. Die, die, kill, make you suffer, die. <laughs> No spoilers. Oh, you'll see. Oh, it's so good. Uh, also, uh, hella misogynistic, but so good. Yep. Uh, a big Both thank you time. to yes, a big <laughs> thank you to Willow and David of Volante Design. 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, make sure to keep your eye out on Instagram Live uh, this Thursday, October 1st. We'll be joining them for that uh, the, their big release. Mm-hmm. 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So make sure we remember that. I don't want to log in at 4 and be like, where'd everybody go? 1 p.m. Pacific. Yes, 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a good way to wrap it up, right? Oh, I might be at lunch. Woohoo! Okay. Perfect. Uh, well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Beanerita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Ted Wither, you must resign. Go, Everyone go shout at your representatives. That's right. For any number of reasons. Register, register to vote. Make sure yes. that you are registered to vote. Double check, triple check. Trust me. Do it. Yeah. It's the only way Facebook and Instagram will ever leave you alone about it. That's also, true. democracy's at stake. Yes, yes it is. Also that, yeah. Also- Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.